to another episode of Never Found, Never Forgotten. I'm your host, Melanie. And around this time last year, I told you about missing and murdered indigenous women in this country. According to the FBI, Native American women go missing at twice the rate as white American women. And a 2008 Department of Justice report showed that Native American women are murdered at 10 times the national average. According to the Centers for Disease Control, murder is the third leading cause of death for Native American women in this country. More than four out of five Native American women have experienced violence and more than half have experienced sexual violence. More than half have experienced physical violence at the hands of an intimate partner. While these statistics are shocking. What's truly alarming is that these statistics are probably low due to underreporting and misclassification of race and poor data collection. And that's why I think it's important to continue to bring awareness to the missing and murdered indigenous women through this platform. I encourage you to visit some of the sources I include in the show notes to learn more about this epidemic happening in our country and learn more about what's being done about it. With that being said, let's get into today's story, the disappearance of 32-year-old Linda Skeek from Anchorage, Alaska on January 1st, 2016. Linda Skeek was the mother of three children, a 12-year-old daughter from a previous relationship who was living with her father in Juneau, Alaska, and an 8-year-old daughter and 5-year-old son with her husband, Thomas Skeek. And Linda and Thomas had just moved from Juneau to Anchorage in April of 2015 when Linda was promoted at her job the NANA Regional Corporation and Alaska Native Social Economic Group. By all accounts, Linda loved her job and she was really good at it. Thomas stayed home with their children while Linda worked and Thomas and Linda had been married for about eight years, but their marriage was crumbling. Linda struggled with alcohol addiction, and she had checked herself into rehab before. On weekends, it was not uncommon for her to go on binges, but she was always home on Sunday night, ready for work on Monday morning. Rena Sims was Linda's foster mom from the time Linda was 14 years old. And in one article, she said, quote, She was very loving, thoughtful person, respectful to others. She loved children and didn't forget a birthday. She was a great daughter. That doesn't mean she didn't have her problems, but she was very well loved and she gave love back, end quote. 
So on New Year's Eve, the family watched the Minions movie in the, in the family SUV while waiting for a fireworks show. And then they watched the fireworks. After that, Thomas said he drove Linda to three bars and a strip club. He said he and the kids would wait in the parking lot until Linda was ready to go to the next bar. And this was seen on surveillance footage from the different locations. The family arrived home for the evening around 1 a.m. where Linda continued drinking. Thomas claimed that Linda wanted to go out again, but because she had been drinking, he took the car keys away, and this caused a verbal argument. And eventually, Linda got so angry, she just left home on foot at 2.30 a.m., and she was never heard from again. Linda only had with her about $40 in cash and her Alaska ID card. She had no credit cards, and Thomas had the only cell phone. So, Rena became suspicious when on New Year's Day, she didn't hear from Linda. Linda always called on holidays, and Rena urged Thomas to report Linda missing. But it wasn't until January 4th that Thomas did notify police and report Linda missing. And unfortunately, it doesn't seem like police immediately begin investigating. It seems like they take their sweet time, like we see over and over again. Um, this even comes up in court that there was a little bit of a delay in the investigation. And according to Rena, she's also suspicious because Thomas wouldn't let her speak to the children. And Rena eventually starts asking him if he killed Linda. And she asks him repeatedly. And according to her, Thomas said no, 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 except one time when he says, quote, I don't think so, end quote. And it, Rena is like, you don't think so? Like, what does that mean, you don't think so? And he said, quote, no, I did not kill Linda, end quote. By this time, Rena has had enough. And so she goes to police and she reports this to them. And this seems to light a fire under them a little bit. And they go out and they conduct a search of the home and the vehicle on January 20th, 2016. And it's at this point that Thomas is arrested and charged with first degree murder and evidence tampering. Investigators find blood evidence in the home. There were blood stains found in the bathroom, in the basement crawl space, on the kitchen wall, and in the passenger side of the car. They also find a clump of long dark hair in the crawl space. Allegedly, investigators also noted that Thomas had what appeared to be a human bite mark on his right arm, bruising on his neck, collarbone, and hip. And they also find clothing in the dryer that appeared to have been washed with too much bleach. And 
there's a note written on the calendar that on January 1st that said, quote, 2.30 a.m. Linda walked off, end quote. Which, who does that? Really, nobody. It's weird. It occurs to me that they must have done some investigation before January 20th when he's arrested because that's that's almost three weeks after she went missing. And I would think that his bruising and stuff would be gone. And are his clothes, are those clothes really still in the dryer? Police believed that Thomas had killed Linda and tried to clean up the scene. And investigators learned that Thomas had purchased bleach, ammonia, and Lysol from a local grocery store later on January 21st. So later in the day. I, and I hope he wasn't like combining those because you're not supposed to combine bleach and ammonia. That's, you're not supposed to do that, dude. It's bad news. Thomas and Linda's daughter also told her great uncle that she remembers seeing Linda's feet in the downstairs bathroom with blood all around them on the night of her disappearance. Which, how traumatic is that? Come on. The woman who lived in the unit above the Skeeks reported hearing a loud argument, and she heard Thomas yelling and swearing at Linda and said that she heard Linda say that she wanted a divorce. And this was something that Linda had told friends and family as well, that she wanted a divorce from Thomas. Their marriage was not doing well. In fact, on November 30th, 2015, Linda had filed for an order of protection against Thomas, claiming that Thomas had assaulted her by grabbing her arm and pushing her and leaving bruises on her chest. According to court documents, in this same month, Linda had allegedly pointed a loaded gun at Thomas in front of their daughter. But just 10 days after filing the order of protection, Linda withdrew it and the two apparently reconciled. But both Linda and Thomas were having affairs. Linda's boyfriend had an alibi for the night she went missing and was not considered a suspect in her disappearance. Thomas's girlfriend moved in shortly after Linda's disappearance. So Thomas's murder trial began in March 2019. And this was rare because it's a murder trial without a body. And it, we've talked on this podcast before that it's rare to take a case to trial without a body because the lack of evidence and the reasonable doubt that is introduced. Only a small number of cases in Alaskan history have gone to trial without a body. And the defense in the trial claimed that there was not enough evidence to prove that Linda was deceased at all and that if she was deceased there was not enough evidence to prove that Thomas was responsible. Thomas's attorney suggested that Linda had walked away from her life, that she had harmed herself, that she was the victim of a random attacker, or she could have been killed by a drunk driver. All reasonable doubt. And despite Linda and Thomas's daughter testifying for the prosecution, you know, seeing her mom's feet surrounded by blood, the great uncle's testimony, 
the testimony from the neighbor, hearing the argument. After three days of deliberation, the jury acquitted Thomas on all charges. He was found not guilty of first and second degree murder, manslaughter, and tampering with evidence. Here's the thing. I don't know how I feel about this. Thomas was not a great dude. I'm going to say that. He, in 2006, I believe it was, he was convicted of attempted sexual abuse of a minor and served some t time in jail, four months in jail, um, after allegedly raping a 15-year-old girl while working in Juneau as a caseworker for social services. He's not a great guy. He doesn't have great character. There seems to be some evidence pointing toward something happening this night. However, without Linda's body, I feel like there's too much reasonable doubt introduced. I think that the defense attorney probably did a great job of planting those seeds of reasonable doubt in the juror to say, how do we know she's even dead? And without a body, without a cause of death, we can't really pin it on Thomas yet. So this is a hard one. We need Linda's body. We need to know where she is. The fact remains that Linda Skeek is still missing. Linda is Tlingit and Eskimo Alaska native. She is described as being 5 foot 10 inches tall, weighing 200 pounds. She has black hair and brown eyes. Her ears are pierced. Anyone with information on the disappearance of Linda Skeek can contact the Anchorage PD at 907-786-8900. Since I last talked about missing and murdered Indigenous women, there has been some progress made in making changes to policy and bringing awareness to this epidemic. On May 5th, 2019, the White House officially designated May 5th as the National Day of Awareness Missing and Murdered Native Women and Girls. In 2019, an executive order was created, Operation Lady Justice. This created a task force for missing and murdered American Indian and Alaska Native people. This task force is chaired by the Attorney General and Secretary of the Interior. The role of the task force is to consult with tribal governments on the issue of missing and murdered Indigenous people, develop model protocols, improve the way law enforcement and prosecutors handle these cases, improve collection and sharing of data, develop education and outreach campaigns for communities most affected, and develop best practices for communicating with affected families. In 2021, the Missing and Murdered Unit was created as part of Operation Lady Justice. There are seven offices created in seven cities, and they also oversee tip lines and helplines. In 2020, Savannah's Act became law. This law requires the Department of Justice to train law enforcement on how to record tribal enrollment in federal databases, 
conduct outreach to tribes and tribal organizations, develop guidelines for response to cases of missing and murdered indigenous people, provide training and technical assistance to tribes on the implementation of these guidelines, and report statistics on missing and murdered indigenous people. Tribes can also submit their own guidelines to the Department of Justice. This law also allows the Department of Justice to provide grants for developing policies and procedures related to law enforcement's handling of missing and murdered indigenous people and for compiling and annually reporting data on missing and murdered indigenous people. Savannah's act was named for Savannah LaFontaine Greywind, a 22-year-old member of the Spirit Lake Nation whose body was found floating in the Red River near the North Dakota and Minnesota border. Savannah had been murdered by a neighbor when she was eight months pregnant and her body tossed in the river. I encourage you all to visit nativewomenswilderness.org. Um, they keep a great list of what's happening state by state. They also keep a great list of what's happening across the country on a federal level in regards to missing and murdered indigenous women to keep abreast of how this issue is changing and what's being done to, to help this, this problem. And it's good to see that in a year's time, we have made some progress. Um, there's still a lot more progress to be made. That's my episode for today. Thank you so much for listening. This is something that I'm truly passionate about. Um, and we'll continue to raise awareness about. Thank you so much for listening tonight. Thanks. Bye.